Welcome to the Momenta Partners Uncommon Perspectives podcast series. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner. In this series, we bring you some of the most insightful and creative thinkers, authors, and practitioners who share their experiences and views across a range of topics that have relevance, not just for business, but for life as well. We hope you enjoy their insights. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momenta Podcasts. And with us today uh, is Arif Khan, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Singularity Net. And Singularity Net is a really uh, it's a fascinating and unique project that uh, has been uh, underway for a couple of years. And and I uh, know one of the one of the co-founders, but uh, Arif and I connected. Uh, we actually connected a, a couple times over the past year and had some uh, some really in-depth conversations on a on a number of topics. But uh, I I wanted to to highlight the work that they're doing and uh, and and share the story a bit with with everyone and and also uh, it's a pleasure to have you Arif on the uh, on the podcast. Thanks uh, Ed really uh, excited and looking forward to having this conversation. Great. So first let's let's just start with a bit of context. Could you share just a bit of your background and you know what you know what what are the experiences that have brought you to to where you are today? Yeah, happy to. I think um, broadly speaking, my background has always been in the <clears throat> technology industry, and I've always looked at the emerging frontier technologies as a exciting place to do my best work in. And so um, I've, I've seen several waves of technologies come to market, and I've brought new ones as well. So in Southeast Asia, Singapore, where I grew up, uh, was responsible for equipping organizations to make the digital transformation to LinkedIn. Back then when recruiters were still, in-house recruiters at least, were not necessarily a full business function um, and they were still using Excel sheets. So, And then spending a lot on uh, agency costs. So helping organizations transform their digital capabilities, tap on more efficient technologies to drive more value for their customers, for their partners, for the organization itself, that's always been uh, something that I've been deeply passionate about. So later on, then I, I worked for a company that eventually acquired Uber's business um, in Southeast Asia, a company called Grab, uh, which really is one of the top, I think one of the top 10 innovative companies in the world. Not many people in, in North America know about uh, Grab, but uh, Grab has, um, has a very strong foothold in Southeast Asia, primarily because They've been relentlessly focused on innovation, and I have had the privilege of working with them and seeing that that growth as well. Um, sometime around there, I decided that I wanted to expand my horizons even more and said that I should give some deeper interests of mine uh, some time and, and space to explore because I had it was already uh, spending a lot of time and energy and effort in the technology world. And I felt that maybe there would be other options outside of it. So pursuing left field interests, uh, primarily in the domain of 
consciousness, consciousness hacking, anything within that domain was was deeply interesting to me. So I moved, packed up, went to San Francisco, and that's when I met uh, one of the co-founders. Back then, I think they were just starting out, uh, Singularity Net, Ben Goetzel. And uh, Ben and I connected, and we kept in touch. And um, later on, once the project was growing in scale and, and scope, and they needed an a person who has built organizations and done that at scale to come on board, I was more than happy to volunteer and, and take this forward. That's great. And just to maybe a bit of context, at least from my perspective, I, I had actually met uh, met Ben and, and David Hansen, boy, and I think it was around 2010 at, at one of the first Singularity Summits that, that I'd attended. Mm. And uh, I mean, both are, are brilliant and, you know, true, you know, true innovators and, and visionaries. And I know there are a few other people involved in the team, but would love to hear uh, a bit of the background. Could you share a little bit of the background of, of Singularity Net and, and essentially some of the uh, market opportunities and and uh, the needs that uh, you know that um, that the founders saw that that gave rise to the project. Yeah, yeah, and and this is I think critical. So I'll try and use um, some ideas here to try and explain what Singularity Net is briefly. So one of the core innovations of our age, uh, of our era. Is, is going to be artificial intelligence. And everyone does talk about it, but people don't necessarily fully understand how immersed we already are in systems that are governed by, by AI today. Um, so the technology of AI presently is siloed and firewalled by large mega corporations that tend to drive a very specific for-profit for the bottom line agenda, which understandably is, is their core duty to maximize shareholder value. And the impact of a technology like this, combined with the relentless pursuit of profit, is going to deeply harm and fracture society. And it already has, so to a certain degree, if you look at some of the ways that some of the technology systems are designed, and then the way they're designed is to extract as much value from the ecosystem without necessarily providing value in return. So a simple example would be um, Facebook's newsfeed feature, right? This feature was um, hacked and essentially uh, hijacked by um, hackers external to the American, uh, during the American democratic elections uh, a few years back. And they were able to leverage the algorithms in this specific feature for their benefit and for their main intent, which was to subvert the, the democratic election process to use uh, essentially the existing systems against them. And the reason why this is the case is because the newsfeed was fundamentally designed to propagate information at massive speed and scale to drive viral clicks, to push information out in ways that would work with our dopamine system, so we would share content. The aim of just being hyper-connected was the vision that we were sold on. But at the same time, they were then taking this information and then selling it to advertisers so that when advertisers pushed their information into our feed, um, the platforms would benefit. And this could be any platform. Uh, could be YouTube, could be, could be Facebook, could be Twitter. Any of these large platforms designed these features fundamentally around the aim of disseminating information, but 
monetizing that feed to drive as much viral traffic as possible. So, and, and that certainly helped their bottom lines, but it did not necessarily help society. So we were looking at this conflict right now where you have really smart algorithms that determine highly customized feed experiences for people. And then you have that happening within a subset of just narrow profit orientation. The outcome there is, it's literally like serving, um, you know, crack to communities or people who don't necessarily understand the value of the attention. And if you look at the way the human brain, how plastic it is, and if you look at the attention spans of people, how they've gotten shorter, you'll realize very quickly that uh, these technologies are impacting human beings and human society uh, at, at a massive scale and speed like it has never uh, seen before. The problem there is that these algorithms are generally designed by PhD AI researchers who tend to win wonderful awards, um, but sit in large technology companies. And I consider them to be, and this is a little bit controversial, but I consider them to be um, really architects of the entire ecosystem because they are not objecting to the way it is presently designed. So what, what needs to happen is these AI algorithms that are being used to drive awareness, to drive maximum profit value, for these companies, they need to be democratized. They need to be open sourced. There needs to be an openness around how the black box is working. So Singularity Net, for me personally, why I was really attracted to this vision and why I've contributed to the vision and, and the subsequent uh, accelerator and incubator companies that I'm, I'm happy to talk about that are going to be coming out from, from the foundation is Singularity Net's Essence is, is sort of like Prometheus, the, the Greek god that stole fire uh, from the gods and essentially was punished, but at the same time democratized a core technology so that people and, and human beings could have the benefit of that. So SingularityNet is a decentralized AI platform uh, where you can interact with AI algorithms, you can purchase AI algorithms, you can look at their code. Um, you can request for AI algorithms to be developed. We're a completely open source project, and we have a bunch of contributors globally who are committed to that vision as well, which is democratizing AI, democratizing data sets, looking at ways in which we can really bring core aspects of this technology to, uh, to people who may not necessarily fully understand it today, but they really do need it. And that could be either your nonprofits, your small and medium uh, businesses, um, and they may not, not necessarily be as sophisticated users of these, but these are important people or individuals like, like you and I who, who want to understand how the black box behind the technology is working, but may not necessarily have the bandwidth. So Singularity that makes it really easy for individuals to participate in the AI economy that's coming up and they participate by learning about it. So what we've done in the past year and a half, and I'm really proud of our community, we have about 100,000 people now um, that really interact with us on a, on a monthly basis and, and participate in our, in our groups and, and, and Telegram communities and chats and Twitter feeds. What they're doing is, is they're, they're working with the content, they're working with the thinking, the philosophy, the vision that we're putting out, 
and they're interacting within an ecosystem and learning. So um, we're really trying to change the paradigm here because we think AI is too powerful a technology to be kept within the silos of mm -hmm. large organizations. And um, that's that's generally the, the, the vision which, which we're focused on. The main true north with all of this is going to be what Ben calls AGI, which is artificial general intelligence. And the challenge here is that artificial general intelligence within the paradigm of a for-profit company equals to Skynet, right? And, and right. generally that's a no. type of control that, that you don't necessarily want. But AGI that is democratized, that has elements of distributed ownership, that has participatory processes embedded in it, that's something that is the true, that is something far more compelling for the for the human race to aspire to than these general sort of siloed uh, for-profit ventures. So, right. yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's hopefully gives you a clear idea of uh, what we're doing. No, it's that's a, that's great perspective, and I think very timely as well. I uh, I've just been working my way through Shoshana Luboff's book Sur Surveillance Capitalism, and clearly there's a lot of aware growing awareness on the uh, of the downside of having so much manipulative technology that's controlled by these near monopoly you know, information businesses, and and of course you know the you know the ability to to harness yeah, you know, predictive capabilities in across many many scenarios is uh, you know has enormous appeal. But again, it's you know this in historically had been a bit of a esoteric domain, and companies that could afford to uh, to, to develop and uh, solutions in house and then hire highly skilled people uh, typically required a lot of a lot of resources. So um, this idea of putting together a a community, an open source community, I think is uh, it is very timely. Um, so how does it you know, how does it work? Could you explain how the you know how the how Singularity Net is is structured and some of the uh, initiatives underway uh, it, with the organization? Yeah. So I think the main reason why we decentralize and and we also live and breathe that philosophy is all of us work remotely. I think we have about a um, hundred odd, odd people working for us full time uh, in different capacities as as, as contractors as as, as full-time employees and some in our Hong Kong headquarters, but the rest are all uh, really dispersed all over. We have a pretty large presence in Ethiopia as well, in Addis, where we have an office and a, and a partnership with uh, with our friends there at ICOC Lab. So um, the, way we're fairly, the way we're structured is, is fairly decentralized and, and remote first, so we have that as part of our core culture. And... The initiatives that we're launching, we've recently launched um, this year, I think towards the end of February, we launched our beta where developers can really interact with the Singularity Net ecosystem. They can um, upload an AI agent, they can get rewarded for it in, in, in our native cryptocurrency and tokens, and they can participate in this initial economy of, of AI agents that, that are going to, in the longer run, transact with each other as well. And some initiatives that come to mind include um, our recent uh, partnership with Domino's Pizza, where we're going to be helping enterprises that have sort of um, been at the forefront of innovation and understand the need to constantly innovate, but may not necessarily have the technical talent or capability uh, to do that. So we have a really 
solid, strong bench of AI researchers and AI consultants that are going to be lending their expertise to organizations to eventually um, develop some of these um, interesting applications. So with Domino's, for example, and I've talked about this before, is we're going to help them develop supply chain algorithms that would look at um, allowing them to efficiently deliver door-to-door -door, uh, at speed and at scale, taking into account various uh, complex data sets like the traffic conditions, the weather, the number of uh, riders or delivery partners they have. And if you look at the delivery landscape and how it has evolved over the past three, three years, you'll start seeing very quickly that there have been a large number of monopolists or demand aggregators that have come on board to control, uh, to centralize demand from consumers. These are your centralized apps um, like Uber or uh, Uber Eats, um, I think they have Deliveroo in the UK, uh, which Amazon has recently invested in. So you have a lot of these partners that are, that a lot of these companies that are entering this domain primarily because the data sets are so rich. It's a high frequency daily volume business, but the business actually lends itself to, to a very good use case of, of um, checking transactions on chain, but also leveraging AI to ensure that you can fulfill the promise of, of delivering on time. So that's that's one application example where some of our AI consultants and researchers can work with a partner, wrap that service, build something unique for them, and uh, leverage some of our open source community to actually try and solve some of these problems for them. So the example sometimes I give folks are like, it's a, it's a decentralized Kaggle, uh, decentralized Kickstarter, <laughs> decentralized uh, AI service all combined into one where you can really put a request out to the community and, and folks will will come back to see how they can participate and solve some of these uh, challenges and problems. The other interesting initiatives that we're launching right now, we've just launched the Singularity Net X Lab, which will feature a bunch of really interesting innovators and companies that want to build on the Singularity Net platform and leverage our token ecosystem, our community. Um, we'll be announcing the shortlist of the first, uh, I think, eight or nine companies uh, very shortly. Oh, that's great. And when you have uh, at least the, you've got research and you know, services that you provide, but um, there's also a uh, plans for a beta marketplace. Could you could you talk about the the economics or the incentives for the you know for the participant for the participants uh, and stakeholders in, in the ecosystem? Uh, you know how how does you know how does it work for people who are uh, contributing and 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 then of course the role of the of the token and and, and the currency is is also a, a unique aspect of the of the story as well. Yeah, so having the privilege of having our own token and that economy, that local economy, I'd say, or, or a global economy like that, and the token being able to transact amongst different agents. That's that's really a critical part of the ecosystem and infrastructure. So on the developer side, so we'll just break this down into a traditional marketplace model where you have the supply side and you have the demand side. On the supply side, you'll have developers who are incentivized uh, by our AGI token to create uh, algorithms or to publish their algorithms on our platform. Uh, and developers can also solve custom problems if they want through our upcoming feature called the request for AI services where developers can um, attack or choose to solve a problem that somebody wants to request an AI service for. So it'll just be an open request and then developers can 
choose to solve the problem by, and then when they solve it successfully, they get a reward bounty. Um, so that's that's on the that's a very uh, simple model on the demand side to to bring in, uh, sorry, on the supplier side to bring in developers who can really grow the platform with services and the volume of services and the number of services are really an important aspect of this. So on the demand side, the value of having uh, enterprises, uh, customers, partners, uh, individuals leverage the platform is going to be really critical. So we've been focused on attracting as many developers as possible and also raising as much awareness on the supply side, uh, on the demand side with, with enterprises. So on the demand side, if you look at some of the initiatives we've launched includes our for-profit uh, venture called Singularity Studio. And just want to make a quick comment here with respect to the earlier uh, diet drive against uh, for-profit companies. There's nothing wrong principally against, against profit. Um, it's just when you have such enormous scale and potential that that becomes a single core focus and it divide society completely uh, with without due recourse or understanding about the second order or third order consequences about what is being done. So generally, the large tech companies fall within that bucket because they're not looking at the unintended consequences of their actions or they're looking at the unintended consequences of their action and are creating PR spin by calling them unintended consequences, right? So they're not really... They know that this is the harm that's going to come about, but they've already prepared in advance for dealing with it. And that's that's not the way that that it should work. They should really be putting human beings at the center of their design because we only have so much time left uh, on Earth before the, the the climate goes into complete uh, into a com complete catastrophe. So we really have to find a way of of solving some of these really hard challenges. And and if you look at the way tobacco companies and 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 in historically, if you look at the way tobacco companies model their their business and the way they ascertain their risks. Fundamentally, that's, that business model still seems to have translated to tech companies today. And it's just a different chemical. Instead of, instead, of, instead of giving you cancer, they're taking away your attention span. So we're not, we're not against profit per se, but we're just against the blind pursuit of it at, at all costs. Right? So the reason why we spun out Singularity Studio was to be able to create an effective sales and marketing machine that would be able to go out and acquire enterprise customers, bring them on board, help them understand the open source rev revolution that's going on. Remember, a lot of large enterprises are also concerned, deeply concerned about giving up a large amount of their data to uh, some of these large tech companies because they feel beholden to them. So, uh, at the and and they want to have an arm's length relationship, but the moment you start giving up more and more of your data sets to large Amazon server clouds, um, you, you, you also give up aspects of your, of your business supply chain, right? And, and that information and that intelligence, um, depending on the, on the agreements between the two companies, is going to be, is, is a core IP or value add for your organization. So all of these, all of these factors lend themselves to a platform that is decentralized at its core or has openness as part of its, its principles and then can attract some of the larger enterprises. So we've had a lot of interest, uh, and this was, this was a genuine surprise, we've had a lot of interest from organizations wanting to work with us and consult with us and partner with us because they felt like they wanted to de-risk some of their 
exposure as well to the large uh, large technology companies out there. So this is one way they can they can do it. This is one way they can participate in the open AI economy. And some of them are just genuinely curious about the experiments happening mm-hmm. in this space, and they want to innovate. So. So yeah, so Singularity Studio is designed to to really bring on board enterprise customers and partners, and we're happy to always speak with 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 partners as we try and tell them about the open source AI revolution that's coming. Yeah, it's uh, I, no, I think it's it's so fascinating the you know the how the open source development model is you know is has really you know, translated nicely into well certainly into uh, you know many of the. Um, you know, blockchain or, or, or cryptocurrency projects. I was just speaking with Mark Flurry recently, and and it's yeah, he was one of the founders of JBoss, and kind of an original enterprise uh, open source project. And and that it's really fascinating how a lot of the same principles are translating into again a, a you know a, a, an ecosystem approach or a community approach for development. Um, what do you what do you see or what you know when you're when you're talking to potential partners? and customers, you know, what have been the existing alternatives or, you know, dare I say, even competition for, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the services or the value that, that you are looking to provide in, in the market, um, you know, compared to, you know, what are, what are the kind of the existing uh, methodologies if, uh, you know, if, if there even are any? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge for enterprises gen, generally tends to be understanding the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Because, and this is why it, I think Facebook's stable coin or uh, its global coin is going to have a net positive impact on the industry as, as more people understand the value of working within the, all, all, all the challenges in, in holding cryptocurrency and working with, with that, right? So um, it will help to lift the tide for all of us in terms of awareness and reach and marketing. But it will also come with its own unique sets of challenges that regulators will have to confront so that there is clarity around the world. So, for example, if you hold a Facebook stable coin, is that a security or is that, <laughs> is, that, is, is, that a, is that a normal currency? Because then if it's a security, you'd have to go to, to a, a broker dealer to, to work with that. And all of these things are going to be extremely complex and, and challenging for businesses and organizations to work with. Um, but if they have a clear model of how they can purchase a service, and it's just as basic as how can we purchase a service on your platform today? Uh, this is where you need to really get the industry to come together. So I'd say if you look at competitive, com- uh, the competitive landscape and if you also look at the overall barriers to entry, they generally tend to be around a lack of awareness or education for options. But once that initial hurdle is 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 gone or it's overcome then organizations really start begin to start start to really understand how this can deeply benefit them because they can and a large number of you know some of the more sophisticated tech companies are already doing this when they understand that the open source community uh, is is an important element of their business strategy which is why you know Microsoft acquired GitHub uh, which is why you have a large number of um, Interesting open source projects that have also had had commercial arms to make sure that the technology reaches the right people. Uh, I think it was IBM that contributed a lot of. Um, they had a large number of developers working on Linux uh, mm-hmm. as well. So these these are these are interesting hybrid models that that have been there for a while. Some new ones are emerging. I think the intersection of cryptocurrency, open source development, and uh, some of the existing technologies intersecting that's that's going to be probably the most interesting 
um, emergence of confluence that, that would result in new innovations coming to the space. So the challenge is not so much existing competition there. I mean, you, you know, you can definitely have data service providers or data marketplaces that are complementary to Singularity Net. So oftentimes when we speak with organizations, they want to understand what's going to happen to their data. And we do share with them some models or some approaches. So one of our partners um, is Ocean Protocol, and they are building uh, a, a marketplace for data so that you can democratize access to data. Not all organizations are keen to democratize uh, their data sets completely, unless you know they have some permissions and they're outsourcing only, or, or they're making available a certain portion of their data just for testing. Um, that's not going to be proprietary. So there are a lot of a lot of qualifications needed to work with enterprises to make sure that uh, to ensure that rather that their interests are are aligned, but that they also get to understand why this is a, a revolution waiting to happen. So. Uh, I spoke recently with a very large financial firm that unfortunately uh, could not necessarily understand the value of um, the decentralized finance ecosystem emerging. Uh, you know what a stablecoin is, what um, uh, you know how the die works. Um, all of these conversations are going to become a lot easier now that you have uh, Facebook's uh, cryptocurrency mm -hmm. launch uh, coming up on Tuesday. So I, th I think people will get sen sensitized to it. They'll start interacting. Just think of how people became content creators within a span of, I don't know, two years, three years, one social network started to launch, right? Like everyone right. was posting content. Before that, yep. it was it was, it was was something quite difficult. So I'd, I'd hazard a guess that within the next two to three years, you'd have people printing their own tokens, interacting with uh, the financial ecosystem, becoming liquidity providers themselves as individuals. All of these uh, fintech revolutions are, are, are going to happen within the next two to three years. And it's just a matter of, of organizations catching up to the, to, the, to the leading edge. And not everyone's going to. And that's when you need really good communication strategies to, to bridge the different worlds together. Right, right, no doubt. And uh, as you look forward, I mean, what uh, you know, what 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 is the vision of where you know Singularity Net could go if uh, you know, if you're successful in building the community and and uh, having having a platform that you know that that matures as your uh, as you as you would hope. Uh, you know, what 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 do you see as some potential? Um, uh, Potential scenarios and and uh, you know best uh, you know best outcomes from the yeah. work that you guys are are doing today the the foundational work that you've been doing over the last couple of years where where do you hope it could go? Yeah, yeah. I I my fundamental belief is that we've really been empowering the community a lot in the past uh, year. We just held our supervisory council elections as well, and the results are, are due out shortly. Um, and, and these are going to be democratic representatives that would be working with the foundation to ensure that the foundation achieves the, the true north of the vision that, that we wanted to achieve. Um, and as someone who uh, is responsible for ensuring that the community is as engaged with us as possible, we've launched several initiatives and we continue to have some important um, wins out there in the landscape that allow us to spread our message further and further. So I think I think what what's going to be critical for us, at least in the next year or so, uh, in the short term, is 
is ensuring that both on the demand side and on the supply side, we continue to onboard as many developers and partners as possible so that the marketplace takes off and the interactions start to happen. And we can certainly see um, sparks of that coming and that initial magic starting to occur as we've just launched our beta. But as we move towards V1, we can definitely see that being a critical part of, of the ecosystem. Then if we look a little bit further down the line, the network and the intelligence of the network and the way the agents are interacting with different developers and with different services, I think that's when it'll, it'll start getting really interesting when you can then upgrade the network to have agents start communicating with each other, which is written in our white paper. And that's probably when the network's intelligence would be enhanced uh, by step change. Um, so, so the general goal that Ben has talked about and a lot of us are aligned with is the emergence of, of AGI where you can look at uh, a type of AI that can decontextualize, can, can, can put itself out of its narrow context and be general enough and, and make decisions. And this is a really hard, challenging problem. Uh, there's a really interesting book written by uh, Pedro Dominguez called The Master Algorithm, where he's talking about the, the algorithm that can learn, and it's the master learner. And I think decentralized networks like SingularityNet can make a dent in that problem and can create a lot of awareness around the importance of this and can create sometimes the right ecosystem, the primordial soup by which where this this could emerge. But how we get there is is going to be is going to be dependent on how we start bringing on these these partners. So the incubator and the accelerator projects are going to be a critical part of the foundation's growth as well because the projects will build on singularity net and they could be building really narrow but highly rich uh, AI services, uh, rich in terms of the data they collect, rich in terms of the interactions they create, rich in terms of the networks uh, that emerge from, from these interactions, right? So you could have uh, a, a training agent or you could have, sorry, you could have an AI agent that might be able to detect, let's say, deep fakes, right? Which is, which is going to be a huge problem uh, very shortly uh, in, in, in the upcoming election cycle. And so the ability to solve a problem like that contributes intelligence to the general network of singularity net. So we're we're really excited about some of these exciting projects that are that are coming up, and we want the community community to also be as excited about them. Um, and and it's going to be a riveting next uh, few years as as we scale up and grow the network. No question. And and uh, yeah, I I think it would, it's it, it's certainly worth mentioning that. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the work that Singularity Net has been involved with, we didn't even talk, we didn't talk, we didn't touch much on it, but um, there's been a lot of real groundbreaking work on on robotics and, and human, human interaction, uh, mm. particularly around the, you know, the Sophia, uh, the Sophia robot, which, I mean, when I saw some of Dave Hansen's work about almost, almost 10 years ago, I was just, I was amazed at how, you know, some of the micro expressions that he'd been able to capture in you know in a uh, in it I guess in a humanoid type robot doing Q and A it was just it was uncanny it it was uncanny in a certain way it kind of hit the uncanny valley a little bit but uh, 
Um, <laughs> but how a lot of the work around that, you know, that artificial general intelligence and, and AI is, you know, has been informed by some of the work around robotics. And, and would love to just get some just some qu a quick, uh, quick view from you on on how uh, the, you know, the, the work at Singularity Net is, you know, has, uh, you know, works in conjunction with with some of the some of the robotics work as well. Yeah, uh, one of the privileges of, of my job has been to interact with uh, the team at, at uh, Hanson Robotics and also very close partners who have been um, building Sophia out and really upgrading her intelligence. So I think I think SingularityNet, if you look at it as a platform, a software ecosystem, um, and imagine imagine one day where we could put out a request and developers all around the world could solve that request for you. And that request would be embedded in real time on a robot having a complex set of questions. So you're interacting with an interface, whether it's a robot, whether it's, a, I don't know, an IoT device fridge, and you need a question answered that's fairly complex. And an algorithm needs to be developed to solve that problem. Um, you can go to you know a, a software vendor and then try and get all of that sorted, or you can put that request out on our platform and somebody will solve it for you. And essentially one day our vision and hope is that the network becomes so intelligent that you can have hardware devices like Sophia, uh, like different uh, different IoT devices that can integrate with, uh, with SingularityNet and participate in the network intelligence we have to solve their problems. So that's certainly coming and that can definitely be done. I think an interesting application that I talked about more recently at the SAP um, Innovation Factory was, um, I think this was at Hudson Yards, we talked a little bit about Sophia and uh, the meditation trials that were done as part of the Loving AI project. And, and this was fairly trippy because it's it points to what you're talking about, the uncanny valley effect. But what happens if you, well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know whether this is the best way of putting it, but what happens if you decentralize the guru and you have a robot uh, as the uh, arbiter of that experience of what a meditation is supposed to look like, right? And people reported extremely compelling results, um, uh, primarily around achieving altered states of consciousness, because it's such a trippy experience to, number one, first, if you really meditate properly, you will experience an altered state of consciousness. But you add a robot into that equation of the robot guiding you in front of you, but also just mirroring you and giving you feedback uh, constantly. That also creates a level of awareness in yourself that is gen generally quite surprising, and it's a it's a novelty uh, factor that occurs. So I think um, yeah, you know, we want to use robots for benevolent purposes. I think there are significant there are significant heavyweight Titans and intellectuals working on militarizing the technology. I'll, I think they they can continue doing that. But what we are really focused on is is trying to create um, uh, benevolent technology that people can start understanding and acquiring and interacting with. And my hope is that that the benevolent technology, the applications, tend to get mainstream adoption from from people, and they start to ask the right questions so that. Society shifts not so much in the direction of, of war and confrontation, but more towards uh, pathways that, that create more benevolent outcomes for, for human beings and for the planet. Well, let's, let's hope that that's, uh, 
that's the outcome. And I think with certainly with more and more people working on uh, on, on projects like this, we're you know we're certainly headed in a uh, in a, an encouraging and 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 positive direction. So. Um, well, anyway, with that, uh, Arif, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. If people want to get more information or or uh, sign up to be part of the network, uh, where where should they uh, where where can they find more information? Yeah, they can go to singularitynet.io, and we also have a Telegram uh, community that's really lively and always entertaining and and always asking the right questions. So that's uh, on Telegram. You can just search for Singularity Net. Uh, and you'll find several different different groups that are uh, administered by by my team. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at singularity underscore net. And yeah, these are the, the the main channels that we have a lot of interactions with. You can also um, check out some of the uh, comments and commentary that we have live on our community forum at community.singularitynet.io. So happy to welcome any of your listeners and and your community to our platform as well. Fantastic. Well, listen, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Again, this has been uh, you know, Ed, Ed McGuire, uh, Insights Partner at Momenta with Arif Khan, Chief Marketing Officer of SingularityNet. And uh, once again, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Momenta Partners' Uncommon Perspectives podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions and we, as always, welcome your comments, input, and suggestions. Thank you for listening.